Job chapter 1, that was good, wasn't it? Amen. While I was uh, praying about what to preach tonight, I wanted to go ahead and do the series on day by day, and the Lord wouldn't let me, so um, I'm going to preach a message entitled, While in the Valley, While in the Valley, in Job chapter 1, we'll read verses 6 through 22, and this is amazing. Uh, Job lost everything during this time of affliction, his family, his finances, his fitness, and his friends, but he never lost his faith. And I thank God for you that hadn't lost your faith, and you that are listening by way of internet, you haven't lost your faith. I had several people call in or uh, message me and saying they got a blessing out of uh, the message while they were driving across the United States. So uh, thank God for the phone. We can plug it in and put it in the dash, and, and there was a lot of people that listened in that car, and I, they even took a picture of all the people listening in the car, in the truck, as they're doing a cross-country uh, trek. Pray for our missionaries. <clears throat> it's hard traveling today with the gas price up so high. Don't get me started on that. I ain't going to get started on that, but hey, I mean, and uh, it's hard on them. I mean, their deputation increased 50 cents a gallon. Uh, since they've been home. And, uh, so we need to pray for Brother Jeremy. Brother, uh, I think he's up in up north, and I know that Brother Kevin is with um, Brother Nathan Gregory in his church in Michigan. So uh, thank God for Michigan, Brother Randy. Amen. Praise the Lord. They still support missionaries up there. Amen. And we do too. And I thank God we have two more that we can uh, put a light in Australia. I don't know who, where in the world that green light, what that green light's doing on Australia, because we do not support a missionary in Australia. If we do, I hadn't prayed for him in a long time, so y'all need to rebuke me. But uh, we'll check that out, amen. But now we got a we got a missionary where the light is. That's a blessing. All right, let's stay in all the Word of God. Let's stand the whole time tonight, amen. Like they did in uh, in Nehemiah. No, not really. We wouldn't do that to y'all. Some of you couldn't make it. But uh, we're going to start with verse six. Save time. I'll be very brief tonight because we've got a meeting afterwards. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going uh, to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. He's stomping today. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and eschews evil. What a testimony. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught? Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. What an accusation. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger unto Job and said the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sambians fell upon them and took them away. 
Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped along to tell thee. While we yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and <clears throat> has burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and only am I escaped among to tell thee. While he's yet speaking, <clears throat> there came also another and said that the Chaldeans uh, made out three hands, bands, and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and the slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. <clears throat> While he's yet speaking, there came also another and said, The sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind <clears throat> from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young man and they were dead. They're all dead and I only am escaped to, along to tell thee. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head and fell down, down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, <clears throat> nor charged God foolishly. You may be seated as I pray. Father, bless this message. Use it for your glory. And help us, Lord, to be faithful in the valley is our prayer tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, Job lost everything. He lost his um, <clears throat> finances, his family, he lost his fitness, his health, he lost his friends, and even lost his family, but he never lost his faith. And I believe Job demonstrates what our attitude ought to be during the times in the valley. And a lot of people think we've been in a valley for a long time, year and a half, year, probably so, but... Um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because the Bible tells us that we're going to have years like this and days like this. Look at Job chapter 14, verse 1. Job 14, verse 1. Don't you love the book of Job? It says, man that is born of woman is few days and full of trouble. It didn't say you make trouble. It's saying you experience trouble. Um, look at Job chapter uh, 5, verse 7, I believe it is. Chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> the Bible says, yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. Can't predict it, can you? And of course, John 16, says, in this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so when times like this comes, we can react either one or two ways. We can either turn towards God or we can turn away from God. As I look out over this uh, sanctuary, <clears throat> I admire some people in this room because I know what you've been through. I know what your children have been through. I know what you personally are going through health-wise because you've shared it with me and some of you had not even shared it with me. I just know that every day is a challenge and I thank God you're still here. And I thank God you're still faithful. And I thank God you want to serve. You get excited about serving in Master Club. Matthew and other people just so excited about being here on Wednesday and seeing God bless. And God's using you, and I admire you, and I thank God for you. And I want to tell you something, trouble's like hot weather. It can sour the milk or sweeten the apples. Amen. 
That's a South Georgia phrase, amen? And I want to tell you something, all things work together for the good of them that love God and call according to His purpose. That we might be predestined for ordained to be like Him, conformed to His image. And so folks, I want you to know that uh, there's trouble going to come, but the whole thing is, how are you going to react? And are you going to be faithful? And I believe that Job gives us about five things to do in the valley. And I just want to ask you this question, what would it take to make you turn on God? What would it take to make you turn on God? There's a lot of people turned on God. I'm not judging, I'm just fruit inspecting. If they hadn't darkened the door of the church in years because of what somebody else did, because they're bitter. And I want to tell you something, uh, they're losing out on some sweet fellowship they're losing out on some blessings from God. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's valleys. There's heartbreaks. Uh, there's family tragedies that can either turn you away from God or turn you to God. And I've seen it over and over. People turning away from God and almost shaking their fist at God and getting angry at God for taking one of their loved ones. And they get bitter. And Job did not get bitter. So I want to give you about four or five things. I think it would be a blessing to you. Number one, and this goes along with the messages that I preach on the Word of God, but folks, this is acting out the Word of God. This is living out the Word of God. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know. You don't know. Uh, but you ought to know who's going to hold tomorrow. And folks, I want to tell you something. We've been through some real unpredictable times, but every one of us has been through some tragedies, some heartaches, some pains. Uh, some agony. People have broken our hearts and people have hurt us and people have left us and deserted us in our personal lives. And I want to tell you something, friend, it hurt. Some of y'all been through the trauma of that. Own children turning away from God. Own mate turning away from God. And folks, I want to tell you something, it all depends on how you're going to react and how you're going to respond. Number one, there must be a devotion to God. Look at verse 20, chapter 1, real quick. This will be a very simple message, but I think it's simply what we need. The Bible says, then Job arose after all that was happened. All his kids died, all his servants died, all his cattle died. And it says, then arose and he rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down uh, upon the ground and worshipped. I want you to circle the last word of that verse. That's amazing to me. He worshipped the Lord. Job was, in, was uh, not devastated, but he was mourning. And yes, he was broken. And um, I know, he, yes, he was, uh, he was devastated. You'd be devastated if you lost a loved one. And uh, he turned on, he didn't, many turn on God in frustration and they curse his name, but not Job. Job worshiped God. What would it take to make you turn on God? Look at Job 13, 15 to see uh, Job's response. I love to study Job, don't you? In Job 13, 15, the Bible says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. Though he slay me, I'll maintain my ways. We need to remember, folks, even a pearl is a result of suffering. Perfume is a, a result of crushing. And, and gold is a result of of heat and, 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 and turmoil. And folks, God uses even nature to show us that sometimes 
It takes suffering to make you a gem. And folks, we need to stop and consider all that Jesus suffered for our redemption. He never stopped. You know, when you um, think about what God's done for you, there's no place to quit. Look at Isaiah, please, chapter 51, verse 1. What a beautiful verse this is. Isaiah 51, 1. 51, 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence thou art hewn, and to the hole of the pit which thou art digged. Folks, what's that saying? You need to look to your Creator. You need to realize God created you not to pout, panic, and quit, but God called you, no matter what, to be faithful and worship the Lord. Number two, there must be a devotion to God. A devotion to God. Not, not only a devotion to God, but a dependence upon God. Look at verse 21, same chapter. I thought about preaching this at a funeral recently. The Bible says, and he said, Naked came I into my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Folks, he said, hey, listen, uh, I didn't have much when I came in this world, and I won't have much when I go out, but I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm just going to totally depend upon God. Folks, we need to travel through the valley with total dependence upon God. We need to not try to trace Him, but trust Him. You know the verses in Proverbs 3. Uh, we can't figure out what God's doing. We just need to faith it out. And we need to go on and be faithful. And folks, one of the things that we need to do is we have devotion to God. We ought to worship God. You know, some people quit when there's a tragedy. The house of God. And folks, a baby dies and they just quit. But I guarantee you, friend, when that baby's sick, the first person they call on is a preacher to come sit in the hospital with them or the preacher's wife, and they call on God and they get right in the emergency room, but then when everything's fine, it seems like they forget. But I want to tell you something, folks. Some people don't call on God. They just turn from God. I'm going to give you a few truths under this point about what God wants you to do. And it might refresh your memory. I know that you know this. But there's a few truths you need to remember in the valley. Number one, God's ways are not our ways. So we'll never figure him out. Look at Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 and look at verse 8 and 9. These verses have helped me over the years in pastoring when I tried to figure all this out. In verse 8 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen. Folks, listen, we gotta, we got to realize that we cannot trace and we must trust Him. And we're in the valley, we're so low, don't make major decisions. And folks, listen, don't turn on God, don't turn on the local church, don't turn on the man of God, don't turn on leadership, don't turn on each other. Some people devour each other uh, because they just they, they panic and they're, and they're stressed out on trying to figure out where I caught this stuff and and why did I get it? And, and, and you know, am I going to live tomorrow, by tomorrow? And folks, God's ways are not our ways. We never will figure them out, so why try? I'm not saying we shouldn't ask for wisdom during times of trials, but folks, we cannot 
uh, trace everything. We can't, uh, we can't figure everything out. We sure can be faithful. Amen. Faithful. Number two, we can produce nothing through self-effort, so we must trust him for everything. John 15, 5 says you can do nothing without him. And I think this is a verse what a claim in the valley more than any other verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We just need to keep God first, amen? We need to, we need to re-energize and we need to uh, prioritize our life saying, hey, listen, I know that you put me in this place for me to be dependent upon you and not upon myself, and I cannot dig my way out. See, we're so self-sufficient. It's an insult to a living God. Number three, we can accomplish nothing through worry. There's a principle you ought to learn in the valley. You can accomplish nothing by worry. Nothing. Mark Twain said this. He's a heathen, but he had some good sayings. Amen. No, he probably wasn't a heathen. I don't know. Tom Sawyer wasn't a heathen. I kind of liked him. But uh, old Mark Twain said this. I am an old man and I have known many troubles, but most of them never happened. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Most of them never happened. How many is worried about something and it never happened or it wasn't true? Raise your hand. The rest of you come to the altar for sleeping. Uh, well, I've done that so many times. My wife is a great counselor to me, and she says, now, uh, Wayne, she calls me Wayne, she don't call me brother. She says, Wayne, um, uh, you know, you might be misunderstanding this. You might be, you know, over the devil might be over-exaggerating this. You know, he's an amplifier of trouble, say amen. And I've lost some sleep, and, it was, and, 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 the, and the person I talked to him the next day, and it wasn't, the, it wasn't the situation. They had no clue what I was talking about. They had no clue. I was trying to get things right with them. I thought I'd offended them or something, and I didn't even offend them. So I lost a half, I, you know, it's all right to lose sleep over a good watchdog barking through the night, but not, not lose sleep over something that never will come true and never is true. The devil's an author of confusion. He's a liar and the father thereof. He's a deceiver and he wants to magnify and amplify and exaggerate every problem you're going through. So in the valley, the best thing to do is don't worry about a thing. How many of that, how many of that's your nature? Raise your hand. Some of you that way, well, you don't worry about things. Raise God. Alex, raise his hand. That's good. Somebody else? I mean, you don't, okay, good. Miss Leslie, you don't worry about a thing? Just concerned about a whole lot of things. But, amen. <laughs> amen. Praise God. I never worry. I'm just concerned. Amen. Praise God. But, you know, really, a lot of people, that's just their nature. And I try to be patient with people like that. But I want to tell you something. It'll drive you crazy. I want you to look at Philippians 4. I know you know where I'm going. But Philippians chapter 4, and I don't have anybody in mind in this auditorium. I preach with a shotgun, not a pistol. If it hits, wear it. But look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. I love this verse. Now, I'm not saying I have conquered this verse and that I've applied this verse in the valleys like I should. It says, be careful for nothing. Now, the Bible commands us not to worry about nothing. Double negative, I don't care what you say. Folks, a lot of people worry about everything. And half the, 94% of what you worry about never comes true anyway. And the 6% that comes true, you couldn't do anything about it anyway, praise God. And if it comes true, God's allowed it. Did you notice chapter 1? The devil had to get permission to touch Job. 
And then he put some boundaries and limits on it. Come on, FBI class. Amen. Look at verse 7. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's saying instead of worrying all the time, you ought to pray all the time. Instead of worrying all the time, you ought to thank God all the time. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Folks, Job had the peace of God. I don't know how he had the peace of God. He lost all ten children. He had a wife that was saying, cuss, cuss God and give up. He had lost all his finances. He lost everything. The devil was putting it on him. But thank God, friend, he trusted. That's the only option we have, and it's the only option that will work. Trust. Trust. Lean not on thy own understanding, but trust in the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord and, tr and trust in him. Folks, there's been tragedies. I've heard about tragedies that people have, are, are still going for God. I often think about your wife's testimony about losing her son in that motorcycle accident. She's still in church. She's not bitter much. No, she's not bitter at all. She's watching. I guarantee you she's watching. And her testimony is real. Yeah. And some of you have had deaths in the family. Tragedies. Tragedies. I think about Miss Lance, 16-year-old Amy, going to the Ford place up here, and somebody head-on collision. She's in the back seat. The, the seat belt uh, cuts her aorta valve, and, and she dies instantly in the back seat. I preached her funeral, hardest funeral I ever preached. And she still comes. She still, she still tries to be faithful. She's watching right now, I guarantee you. And folks, we've had tragedies, tragedy after tragedy. I know, I'll never forget when I was uh, a youth pastor, two of my youth, identical twins. One was Danny, one was Sammy. And, and uh, uh, Sammy was at a Bible study at Statesboro and at, the, at Georgia Southern and, and fell asleep on the way to that Bible study and hit, a, hit a, a couple head on and it snapped his neck. And I had to tell his daddy, he was on a fishing trip in Stanahatchee, Florida, and we had to wait till 2 o'clock before daddy came home. When daddy came home, I had to tell him his son was killed in a head-on collision. And in that funeral, Brother Paul's son got saved. 16-year-old preacher's son got saved. God knew what it'd take. And about nine or ten other people got saved. And I'll never forget, that was my first sermon. First funeral service. I preach a bunch of them. I preach more in the last year than I have in all my ministry. And uh, I preached on uh, Psalms 18.2. We have a high tower. When we're so fogged in, we can't see the runway. God knows all about it. And folks, that's a verse that's helped me over the years. Not to worry about it because God's in the high tower. He's in the control tower. He is over it all. And when we're so fogged in, we can't even see our hand. God knows where we're at. Folks, that ought to help you tonight not to trace him but trust him and not to worry but have faith. And then fourthly, every trial, no matter how hard it is, is good for you if you will respond by faith. By faith. And realize that God works all things together. I'm not going to give you my homemade biscuit uh, illustration. You're tired of that. I'll change it to homemade pie next time or something. But 
Folks, I want to tell you something. It works. Everything together. Lard, flour, baking soda, buttermilk, all individually will choke you to death. But you have a master shelf like my wife, put it together, and praise God, I love apple pie. Or uh, I, like, I like it all, amen. Biscuits, homemade biscuits, cathead biscuits. So one day, you're going to need this verse. You're going to need this verse that all things work together for the good of them that love God and call according to his purpose, that he's predestined for ordained for us to be like him. The most powerful time, Brother Jeremy, I ever heard that verse preached was by Ron Bankston at the Tri-State Preachers Fellowship. He preached Romans 8, 28, and 29. He now pastors Maranatha Baptist Church on Highway 225, I think. I never hear it from him. Don't, I don't know. Tremendous expository preacher. But he preached that message three weeks after his son, his only son, committed suicide. Now, a friend of mine, I don't know if I've been preaching three weeks after my son committed suicide. But he stood up and said, hey, I'm brokenhearted. I can't understand this. I don't know if I can go on or not, but I know that all things work together. And I'm asking God to use this for his glory. And folks, he's still preaching. And he's still pastoring. And I guarantee you he has a broken heart towards those that are hurting. Because he's been there and he's done that. Oh, friend, the blackest night of your life, God's still working his plan. It's dark enough sometimes to see the stars in the darkest hour. Folks, it takes you walking through a deep, dark valley sometimes for you to grow in the Lord and to get close to God. I'm sorry it takes that, but that's what it takes for our will to break because we're stubborn. We're self-sufficient. And so every trial, no matter how bad it is, it can be good if you work it by faith together for God's glory and don't give in and don't give up. Amen. Every time I preach a message like this, I fear what's going to happen this coming week. Because God will probably want me to go through this test. But I got to preach it to you because you've been through it and you will be going through it. And folks, you don't know uh, what uh, what's going to happen tomorrow, but you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But back, back in verse 5 of Hebrews 13, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. Aren't you glad he's the lily of the valley and he's not only the God of the mountaintop, but praise God, he's the God in the valley. And so number one, there must be a devotion to God. Number two, there must be a dependence upon God. Number three, there must be a diligence before God. A diligence before God. Look at Job chapter two and we'll try to wrap this up. Job chapter two and verse eight through 10. Job chapter two, the Bible says, and he took him a posture to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Now, folks, he really wasn't feeling sorry for himself. He was doing all he could because ashes was going to help him heal those sores. And then said his wife unto him, Does thou still retain thine in integrity? Curse God and die. That's who you need next to you. Somebody that just say, Hey, why don't you just curse God? And look at verse 10. And he said to her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? 
And all this did not Job sin with his lips. I want you all to underline that, especially you that have trouble with this. It says, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. And I believe that's every one of us. How many has ever murmured? How many has ever judged because somebody's been going through something? Well, I wonder what sin they got in their life. Bunch of Pharisees. You don't judge people. You don't know what they're going through. Say amen. Now, folks, we know a lot of people are going through trouble because of sin. It's chastening, but it's always conforming. And folks, we ought to be diligent. He took that broken pottery, scraped his sores. He was doing all that he could do. And folks, we need to be instant in season, out of season. And a lot of times we have to have the wind blowing our direction for us to set sail. But folks, the most important time for you to set sail or keep roaring or keep on moving and keep on going and keep on faithful and keep your testimony is when everything's going against you. Because that's when people will notice you. And folks, we need to be diligent. We need to walk with the Lord. We need to bless His name and we need to glorify Him in the valley. A salesman got lost on a side road one time so he stopped to ask directions from a ragged, barefooted man sitting in front of a dilapidated farmhouse. And after receiving the information needed, the salesman asked, how is your cotton coming on? He said, I ain't got none, replied the farmer. The traveler continued, said, did you plant any? He said to this man's response, nope, afraid of the boll weevils. The visitor persisted, how, how's your corn doing? He said, didn't plant none, afraid there wasn't going to be any rain. And daunted, the stranger made still another query and said, How's your potatoes? He said again, he replied, Ain't got none, scared of potato bugs. Somewhat puzzled, the salesman made one final inquiry. He's ready, he said, Really, what did you plant? And the answer was, Nothing. I was playing it safe. And folks, I want to tell you something. If you're going to progress in the Christian life, you've got to keep walking in the valley. And you've got to get out of your comfort zone. And you've got to take a chance. And when you do, you will get hurt. You will get hurt. There will be disappointments. There will be heartaches. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'd rather get hurt trying to help than get hurt sitting back playing it safe. Folks, there's no place to play it safe in the Christian life. We must take back the ground the devil's stolen. And we must keep moving in the valley. And we must take... Uh, new ground for God's glory and we must help others because folks some people are looking to see how you're going to react in the valley look at Psalms 84 verse 6 Psalms 84 verse 6 this has really helped me in the years of ministry more probably than a lot of verses Psalms um, 84 and verse 6 please Psalms 84 verse 6 Well, I appreciate you coming tonight. It's really encouragement to my soul. Psalms 84, verse 6. The Bible says this. Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Now, folks, the valley of Baca is in the middle of the desert. When travelers came through, they would dig some holes when they stopped to camp. 
not for their water, but for those that are passing through behind them. And I will say this, friend, when you go through trials and tribulation and problems and valleys, you need to, you need to dig a well for the next generation. Uh, you might not can do everything, but you can be faithful, and you can keep the faith, and you can trust the Lord so your children will know that there is a living God. And so there must be diligence. There must be dependence. There must be devotion. But last but not least, there must be a declaration about God. Here's the witness now. Look at Job 1.21. Job 1.21. The Bible says this. And he said, Naked came I out my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And here's the declaration. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you bless the Lord during trials? And it says, In all this Job sin not, nor charge God foolishly. In the verses up, uh, preceding, it said that he worshiped God. And so in verse chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Bless the Lord. Look at chapter 2, verse 10. He said, And, um, and he said unto her, Thou speakest as one as foolish woman speaketh. What? Shall we receive good of the hand of God and shall... We would not receive evil. In all this did Job not sin with his lips, but he blessed the Lord. Now, folks, the surest way to get out of the valley is exalt the, the Lord. I'm not saying you just praise your way out, but I'm just saying you need to focus on him, not the valley. You need to focus on the problem solver, not the problem. You need to focus on the sovereign God, not yourself. And how you're going to dig your way out. We're all workers in here. We all want to dig our way out. But folks, we need to have a shepherd and I shall not want. And he may get to lie down in green pastures, amen. But I like this next phrase, but he restoreth my soul. Amen. amen. Have you ever been just devastated when God had restored your soul? And you know something, you being here today, you listening by way of internet, you uh, being a faithful Christian, speak to the reality that God is a God of the valley. And you know what the ultimate bottom line is? God gets the glory. Because God allowed this for Job to be tested, and Job did not fail. Job saw the Lord in verse chapter 42. He knew him by name. Now he sees, he sees him. He knows him. There's, a, there's an intimacy. And we need to realize, folks, the deep, dark valleys of life is for a reason. And I'll tell you what that reason is. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Reminds me of the song, It Is Well. But I don't want to talk about the songwriter Horatio Spafford. I want to talk to you about the man who wrote the music. His name was Philip Bliss. On December 29th, 1876, shortly after 7 p.m., um, his train, he and his wife were pulling out of Ohio. They left the children back with the parents, uh, grandparents, and suddenly the passenger heard a terrible cracking sound, and the trestle snapped, and 11 railed cars plunged 70 feet down into a watery ravine. And even before the wooden cars slammed into the bottom, they were aflame and set afire by the kerosene heaters. And 159 passengers 
in those cars. 92 were killed, and most of them, the rest, suffered serious injuries, burnt from head to toe. Snuffed out by the wreck was a young couple whose bodies were never found. But we almost certainly know his name, Philip Paul Bliss. Bliss had a superb voice. He sang for Dwight L. Moody. And um, he wrote songs like Almost Persuaded and Hallelujah, What a Savior. And folks, and, and they said that uh, they, they said that he um, uh, would not leave that train because his wife was trapped. He burned up in that flame to stay with his bride. And in his suitcase... They found the beautiful words um, of Blessed Redeemer that he had wrote. And folks, I want to tell you something. He wrote the music to It Is Well. After that great man of God had four girls drowned in the ocean, and at the same place that they drowned, he went back in his cabin and he penned the words of It Is Well. And Philip Bliss got the poem, got the words, and put music to it. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Fanny J. Crosby, Philip Bliss, Horatio Spafford, all of them are blessings to our life every time we open this songbook because they did not rebel, because they did not recant, because they did not give up, but they just cast their troubles and trials and unbelievable heartache on God and said, Lord, I have got to have you and your presence and your power. And their testimony shines today. And folks, I want to tell you something. When I sing that song, What a Savior, Jesus Loves Even Me and Almost Persuaded, I think about, and it is well, I think about the testimony of Philip Bliss, who was faithful to his wife to the very end. But I believe he was faithful to God to the very end because when they opened up his suitcase, there was those words, thank the Lord for it. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for the testimony of many that, Lord, have, have been through suffering and trials, many in our church. And, God, they're still here. And they're still faithful. And they're still praying. And they're still a blessing to others. And, God, with the comfort we receive, may we therefore comfort others. But, God, we won't, we won't receive any comfort unless we have courage and faith and trust in Thee. In the valley. God help us to learn these simple lessons while in the valley with Job, of being diligent and have a declaration of, of thank, thanks God, a declaration that, that uh, God, you're able, that you're enough, and that we can bless your holy name and worship you in spite of the circumstances. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I told you I'd early tonight and I hope you got the message you don't know what you're going to go through you don't know what tomorrow holds but you should know who holds tomorrow and thank God you ought to know it can still be well with your soul and you can be as Job blessing the Lord's name even though you're heartbroken Hammond said preacher tonight I needed the message and I can testify that I've been through some heartbreaking, heart-wrenching times. 
And God has given me the grace to get through them. God's helped me in the death of loved ones. God's helped me in the loss of health. God's helped me with financial reversal. God's helped me. And that's your testimony tonight. You know that God has been a help and a blessing. And you are going to commit yourself to continue to bless His holy name no matter what. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to slip mine up and say, Dear God, I want grace. Trust Him in the valley. Lord, thank You for this night and thank You, dear God, for the message. I pray it's been a blessing. It hasn't been anything outstanding. It's just that it's Your Word which is outstanding. And Lord, it is outstanding that every time we read the book of Job, we're encouraged to be faithful. and We're encouraged to be consistent and diligent and devoted. But dear God, we're also encouraged to declare that you are enough and only Jesus can get us through the valleys so Lord if there's some that's going through the valleys and Lord I know there's many that know people that are heartbroken I think about the Grant family I think about those that have lost children in that horrific car accident in our neighborhood and how that young teenager sat in our services and listened so intently just three weeks ago. God, I can't imagine what the Lumpkins and the Stanleys are going through. But I know, dear God, the only hope they have to make it through and keeping their sanity is to turn to you. So, dear God, I pray that somebody will bring them the truth. Somebody will bring them the Holy Spirit. They'll receive you and, and God that they'll draw close to you during this time. Lord, help us all be faithful in the valley. In Jesus' name we pray.